Welcome to Canoe Creek Christian Church's podcast. Our mission is to help others connect with Christ, grow together, and go share Jesus with their world. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Drive. Our services are Sunday morning at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. You can also find our services online through Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening today. Hello. It's good to see you guys again. Uh, you know, I miss you guys. We, we, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Harvey, and, and my family used to live in the area, and we used to attend here, and, and we're in the Jacksonville area now, and it's just delightful to be with you again. So, hi. Love seeing all these faces. Okay, time's wasted. I gotta go. In June of 2018, I left my posh position as professor at Johnson University and became my daughter's lowly assistant and road manager. For about 14 months, we were on the road nonstop. During that time, we were on about 250 flights together uh, and we stayed in about 90 hotels. We traveled through or into all but eight of the United States and we were in three different countries. Wherever she went, wherever Mandy went, I went. No matter what, Mandy knew I would be with her. Sometimes she would ask if I was okay with a red-eye flight or getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning or going through some sort of sleepless night, and my standard response was always the same. I'm with Mandy Harvey. I read somewhere that the most important thing that you can give somebody is your presence. In the long months that Mandy was on the road and that she and I traveled together, she was often tired and sometimes homesick, but she was never alone. She always had her dad around. Mandy always knew there was someone watching out for her, praying for her, and behind the scenes working to make sure that she would succeed. Now, when Ross asked me to preach about God being with Mary, I couldn't help but feel an emotional connection to the story. Mary would become the mother of Jesus in the most awkward and odd way that a devout Jewish girl could ever have imagined. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 describes, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you, the nation, a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and call him Emmanuel. God is inking Mary into the story of the salvation of the world. She, Mary of Nazareth in Galilee, engaged to a man named Joseph. She was that virgin the one that Isaiah wrote about so long ago. Something astonishing was about to happen, and God sends an angel to give her the one promise that will help her make sense of it all and get through it. It is the promise of presence. I am with you. That's God's assurance. You are not alone. Our text today is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Let me read it to you, and as you listen or read along, try to identify the purpose of God's presence in Mary's life. In the sixth month, 
of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come over you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left. In the past few years, a few weeks, I have been reading and rereading this passage. And every time I discover something that stirs my imagination and fills me with wonder, always I've been asking the question, what does the text teach us about the significance of God being with Mary? Before I share my conclusions about that, let me share a few observations about this text that I think will help us understand the significance of this moment and what it means to be in the presence of God. My first observation. Mary receives a personal visit from an angel. His name is Gabriel, and he is the messenger sent from God. This is the same angel that announced the birth of John the Baptist to his father Zechariah, Gabriel declares to Zechariah that he, Gabriel, stands in the presence of God. Now God sends him to Mary, and by doing so, God creates an experiential basis for her calling in the tradition of the Old Testament prophets. Her future husband, Joseph, He will receive word of God's intentions in a dream, but Mary receives the gift of a personal, physical visit of God's angel. And he knows her by name. She talks with him. And the presence of God in her life has already begun. My second observation. The Lord is with you, and he will be present in Mary's life. The Lord is with you, Gabriel declares to Mary. Now it's hard to know what she thought those words meant. Her responses to God and her prayer demonstrate that she has an understanding and awareness of the promises and the providential work of God in the nation of Israel. Always in the past, when someone had those words attached to them, to be God to be with them, it was significant. It meant that God would support what they were trying to accomplish, which was humanly impossible without God. 
God was with Isaac to fulfill the promises made to his father Abraham. God was with Moses to bring the people out of Egyptian slavery. God was with Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land and to govern them. God was with Gideon to defeat against all odds the Midianites in battle. And now God is with Mary to give birth to his son. Third, Mary will give birth to the Savior. Actually, she's going to give birth to a son whom she will call Jesus. This isn't, by the way, an unusual name. It's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. An angel shows up to announce to Mary that she will be the mother of the Savior. It isn't clear in Luke's text whether or not Mary had a big picture of Jesus as the Savior of all mankind, of everywhere. It certainly would have been common in her time to think of saving the nation of Israel. But in time, Mary will watch and learn and come to believe and understand the majesty of the child that she birthed, raised, and cherished. So are you ready for something really fascinating? My fourth observation. Mary will have three sons in one. This one is truly a fascinating truth to me in this text. Jesus will be Mary's son. He will be fully human. He will eat and he will sleep. He will laugh, he will cry. He will sing, he will pray, he'll work with his hands. He'll feel sorrow and pain and he will be tried and tempted. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 through 7, 14 through 15 explains, Therefore, since we have a great priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Paul carries out this same awareness of Jesus' experience of our humanity when he says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, but when the time set had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under law, that he might receive the adoption, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus of Nazareth becomes part of the human experience. This is the son of Mary. Jesus is not, however, just Mary's son. He is also the son of David. Gabriel says the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Jesus will fulfill the Old Testament promises concerning the establishment of an everlasting kingdom ruled by one of David's descendants. Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6, predicts this reality. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will rule wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. That's pretty amazing. But the text doesn't stop there. Jesus will also be the Holy One 
who is the son of the most high God. This, my friends, is the reason for the virgin birth. Mary and Joseph were descendants of King David. They could have given birth to a child that was of the royal line, who was truly human in every respect, but they could not give birth to the Son of God. The Apostle John tells us how to think of the broader picture of who Jesus is in his true nature when he writes in John 1, 1 through 2 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I wonder what Mary thought about these things that the angel said to her. Your son will be David's son, and he will also be the son of God. I'm sure she didn't understand how Jesus could be both God and man. Like the disciples, she could relate to his humanness, but she was only trying to puzzle over his godness. There's a popular Christian song called Mary Did You Know. It's been around for a while. You've probably heard it, right? The songwriter asks, Mary, did you know your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know he would save our son and daughters? Did you know he'd give sight to the blind man, calm the storm with his hand? Did you know he walked where angels trod? Did you know he's Lord of all creation? Did you know he'd one day rule the nations? Did you know he's heaven's perfect lamb? No, that's the answer. Mary didn't know what her child would one day do or become. Even her best guesses, even as a righteous believer, wouldn't even get close. Only God knew what was really going on. Paul gives us a bit of a glimpse into it when he writes of Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2, 6 through 11 who, in the very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant and being in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Fifth observation. The announcement to Mary occurs in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. There were other women in the history of Israel that became with child when it was humanly impossible. Sarah, Abraham's wife, for example, became pregnant, though she, in her words, was worn out and her husband was old. Genesis 18:14. In fact, when she was in the tent and overheard the prediction that she was going to become pregnant within a year, 
<laughs> she just laughed. Nevertheless, God's promise came true, and Isaac, whose name means laughter, was born. But that was 2,000 years before Mary was born. Then there was Hannah, whom God gifted with a child who would become the great prophet Samuel. That was a 1,000 years before Mary's story. More importantly, there was Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who, according to her husband, was well along in years. She became pregnant, and she was in the sixth month when the angel spoke to Mary about the birth of Jesus. What an incredible gift God gave to Mary. Before Mary's eyes, the power of God was already on display. What's more, someone she knew and loved understood something about what was happening to her, knew what she was going through and would be there to support her. The miraculous conception of John was publicly known. This child would become the one who would prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Perhaps that's why Mary, when she is informed by the angel about what's going to happen, why she seems to understand it and accept it so quickly. It's a huge step from the miraculous birth of John to the miraculous birth of Jesus, but the momentum is already in place. Elizabeth's situation is a gift from God for Mary. Elizabeth is living inside an amazing God story just ahead of Mary. And this is part of how God will be with her. He will provide Mary with whom, he will provide Elizabeth with whom Mary will spend three months. Mary will not be alone. Now, with all that in mind, let's return to the question of what is the purpose of God's promise of presence to Mary? The Lord will be with you, the angel said. What does that mean? Well, for one thing, God's presence provides personal comfort and connection. And he is present. Now, theologically, we should say that he is not so much present as she is present to him. What? Well, now think about it. We tell our children that God is everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent. But we don't really mean that. Is God in our mailbox? No. He is a spiritual person, not the force. He doesn't occupy all space. Rather, all space is available to him. It's kind of mind-blowing. The point is that God knows Mary's situations, wants, needs, challenges, fears, hopes, and all her future circumstances, obstacles, and issues. He is always aware. Her life is present always to him. She is fully understood. God gets her. And she's never alone. Also, God's presence means that impossible things become possible. Mary has questions about how God will do what he intends to do, but not whether or not he can do what he says he's going to do. 
If he says a child will be born, he will. Mary just wants to know how. The fact is, throughout Scripture, when God shows up, new possibilities pop up all around him. Paul concludes his prayer to the Christians in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21 with these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now we should note that the presence of God doesn't just have a purpose in this passage. It has two results. The assurance of success and a personal call to worship. Mary had her plans and dreams, just like you and me. In her mind, there was a picture of the future that she hoped would come true. She was technically married to Joseph and no doubt anticipated a future family and a home and a life within her community. She could hope for health and safety and peace and love and joy. But life, life isn't always kind. And no one knows all the difficulties that will lay ahead. The Romans might oppress the people. She may have to move. Her husband might die. She, like you and I, will hope and dream and work and watch and wait and respond with faith to the circumstances that come her way. Her choices will shape her future, but they will also be subject to the choices of others, good and bad. Some of her hopes will never be realized in this life. There are no guarantees that things will go as planned. Then... God shows up and announces a pathway in the life of Mary, a pattern in the larger tapestry of her life that is bigger than anything she could have imagined. God himself is planning something which he has planned from before the creation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. And now he's accomplishing it. Mary doesn't own that plan. It isn't subject to her limited knowledge, perspective, or resources. It's the strategy of the Most High God who has been setting it in place for thousands of years. Mary is invited into God's story, and her success in playing her part is guaranteed. No power on heaven, in heaven or on earth can stop what God has begun. And Mary... It's to be part of God's story. The second result of God being present is that people are compelled to worship. Not surprisingly, the birth announcement ends with a statement of obedience from Mary. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, Mary says, you can count on me. I want you to do with me whatever you want for me. It's an act of worship to worship, the, to recognize the greater worth, to bend the knee, to bow before someone else. Here in this passage, we have this amazing story of these truths coming together 
and answering at least partially the question of what does it mean for God to be present? It means that God is on our side. It means that we can accomplish what we could never accomplish on our own. It means that our success as we pursue what God has called us to is guaranteed. He is going to see to it. And it draws us in our heart to be amazed by him, to stand before him with wonder. I hope during this Christmas season, as you think about all the experiences that you're having and all the opportunities that you have to reread the Christmas story, I hope that you'll slow down and you'll think about what a marvelous thing it is of all the great gifts that you could possibly receive. The greatest gift of all is that our God would say, I am with you. I will move through life with you. I will use your life to redeem and transform the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness and love for the compelling way that you present for us in the life of Mary in just this one short episode. An awareness of how you are working through the world to change it, to renew it, to draw us out of our brokenness and into your kind and generous love. Thank you for your patience and goodness. We wonder at the way that you work and we're amazed and sometimes lost in the miraculous or the amazing but you are God and you accomplish out of your love what we could never have imagined on our own thank you for your promise that you will be with us as we serve you in Jesus name